Today, I've got J.J. Carell coming onto the podcast. He has spent the last 20 years plus working in Border Patrol, and he, he's been making his way up through the ranks into senior positions. He has seen some shit, and he's got a lot to share. So I hope you listen. It's important that we listen to professionals like him. What we're going to talk about today is not just about millions of people pouring in through our borders because of open border policy. It it goes way beyond that. There is a bigger picture here. And of course, it's been talked in the mainstream media, but the facts that we're going to cover and the data that is being suggested, they're not adding up. So in this instance, I understand that people want to live here. If you're lucky to have been born here, or if you're lucky like me to have come here early in the 80s when you were very, very young, we're very privileged to be here. But many of these privileges, as you may already see, are diminishing rapidly. It's not just people that are pouring over. The resources are not enough to help everyone. Veterans are being affected as a result. People who have served this country, who really need aid, aren't getting it and are actually being brushed aside to help migrants instead. Beyond that, we have a fentanyl problem. The problem is growing worse because we don't have enough law enforcement to actually deal with it. JJ is going to talk about all of this and more. My name is Mike. Every week I discuss topics that I care about. Hopefully you find them of value as well. Today's Daily Dose is partly brought to you by Grass Store Cannabis Delivery Made Simple. Oh, so simple. Save a whopping 40% on your first purchase. Just use the code DAILY at checkout. There's more links down below if you want to help support the channel. It's been tough. I got COVID on Saturday. I feel like shit. Gave it to my daughter too. So it's um, it's been a rough weekend. How are you? Oh, okay. I had COVID twice. I had it uh, the very before anybody knows COVID because of all the people we we're dealing with. Um, and then I had it so bad, I had to go to the hospital for eight days. And it's the that's, worst I've ever felt. Yeah. yeah, that's terrible. If you had to be hospitalized, that's quite serious, isn't it? Yeah, and they gave me three doses of remdesivir, which later turns out that should kill you. But I survived I survive remdesivir. <laughs> You're uh, a warrior. <laughs> I'm, I'm alive. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to do something else in my life, I guess. So... Well, well part of what part of uh, your work now is to inform the public and it's um and it's very important. I yeah. I'm so grateful that we spoke uh last week and we just kind of went over a lot of things. It's uh it, it just uh, gave me time too to look into these numbers and it's not a fucking joke. It is insane numbers. Mm-hmm. Um I I found some government related uh sites that are providing some data on this and it is baffling so right after 2020 these numbers just were staggeringly high and considering you were talking about it getting worse and worse um uh, is very scary and then title 42 as well i started following that and um (laughs) you know what happened that was thursday they just let it kind of uh they just kind of ignored it, I guess. Well, they, they uh, and we can talk about this when, when uh, you want to get into it for Title 42, but uh, Mayorkas is on the Sunday shows patting himself on the back and Joe Biden's riding his bike in Delaware and saying, <laughs> oh, look how good we're doing, right? And and the border's on fire and Kamala Harris, our vice 
vice president, is at a fundraiser in Georgia. Um, well, while a teenager dies in our custody, in DHS custody, illegal alien died in our custody, I think on Friday. So they, they're patting themselves on the back saying, look at us, look at us, the numbers dropped by 50%. And that's a bold-faced lie. They just shuffled bodies. And I have proof, and I talked to my buddies that, that uh, were involved with it. They just shuffled thousands of people around to bring the numbers down. It, right. There's nothing that they will do. And, and, and you said that you, you looked in the data. One thing that I found uh, interesting about the, the, the government data and, and the media reporting on some of it, too, is how sometimes it's all over the place, their numbers. Um, and they cannot remember who said what to who. Right. So one day it's, you know, we only have a 1.5 million getaways. Another day it's 3 million. We only arrested 3 million. Well, no, no, actually we arrested 7 million and 5 million are we released. And it's just, if, if you've been doing it long enough as I have and looking through my career and then looking at it now, you realize no one's telling you the truth. You have to kind of sift through it. And if you have the, the sources and, and resources like I have to make these phone calls and, and double check and understand you're able to piece it together. And you're like, dear God, it's worse than what they, they even are project even saying it is. Um, and it is shocking. Title 42 just was a kind of a in your face forced the media to have to report on it. Um, so it brought it to the forefront uh, of America's uh, vision. Finally. Uh, you know what? Even the uh, the media, as it covered it, they're saying that we were they were you know, government bodies were expecting chaos, but it never came, and you know that we have to take with a grain of salt as well. I put together a number of things here that I was like, okay, I want to follow along this uh, this guide of uh, things that I felt like would be great to touch up on, including the you know the fentanyl issues. I mean, I'm. Uh, I'm quite upset to see what's going on there. Just the stuff is pouring in. Now you have this flesh eating uh, drug mm -hmm. that's uh, coming in that kind of uh, either mimics or uh, something of that nature that looks like an opioid, but it's probably not. Um, in any case, uh, that is just crazy to me that there is very little action behind that, but it all stems at the border. The, mm -hmm. That issue, among everything else, plus Title 42, which uh, I feel like is a national health crisis, um, mm -hmm. and people should be aware of that. It's uh, it can it's likely to affect all of us, um, your kids, my kids. It's quite frightening, and um, the idea that we're xenophobes or that we're um, fear mongering or any of these things is ridiculous. Um, we should want to protect our sovereignty as a country. Every other country with borders have rules to come in. You know, you can't just walk in. Uh, this country is a wonderful place. I love America. I'm a foreigner myself, as we talked about it. All right. I'm, you know, wasn't born here, but I came here legally. And, um, and so there are ways to do it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the bottom line. So, I was looking at these border numbers and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. So 2020, 458,000 people. That's the entire year. That's a pretty large sum of people. 
but it gets worse than the following year. 2021, 1.7 million. 2022, 2.3 million. And right now, it hasn't even been six months. We're at 1.2 million. Does it, do these numbers yeah. sound kind of accurate? They're, they're the, the ones that we're looking at for 2023 for fiscal year, because we run federal government runs from October 1st to September 31st. So we're on pace to hit about 2.7 to 3 million, depending on how you count it. So let, let me, let's go back to the 2020 numbers because those numbers are misleading from, from this perspective. You have to go back and put yourself in that time frame. The border wall was just being built. Trump was able to get about 25% of the border wall fixed. Prior to the end of that fiscal year numbers, he went down, he sent his, his ambassadors down to Mexico in the Northern Triangle of Honduras, Nicaragua, and El Salvador. And they told them, you either shut your border down, meaning those large caravans were coming up, you shut your border down or we're gonna, or we're gonna withhold all your federal aid. And they're so used to dealing with the weak presidents, they all just laughed at him, snubbed their nose and go, yeah, okay, whatever. The next day he shut off the spigot, so they had no money. So they, they hopped too, right? We have power, we're the United States of America. You need our money, then you're gonna earn it. You can do what we want. Because he did that, it went down to a trickle, Mike, a trickle. So the end of, by, the end of Trump's term, the last few months, we were averaging about 150 to 450 people arrested in the whole nation. We're talking interior patrol. We're talking northern border. We're talking southern border. We're talking the coastlines. We shut it down. The border was effect effectively closed. And we were within six to eight months of him being reelected to having that border wall fixed and built. And we would have had complete operational control over the whole border. Fast forward, the first day Biden takes office, right before Biden takes office, we start to see the numbers spike because he started telling them, hey, come on. He literally was saying, please come to America. We'll take care of you, get amnesty, uh, excuse me, asylum and, and on and on. And with the day that he took office, we saw those numbers spike to 5,000, over 5,000. With over five thousand getaways a day, too. Oh, that's a per day. Per day, that's per, per day. day. Five thousand a day. I think. Uh, I think that's pretty clear in itself. Is that um, if you're telling people there's no uh, there's no consequences, then of course they're going to um, they're going to rush. They're going to rush over. Um, whereas before there are consequences, and uh, you try to come over, and if you if you know in advance that. Um, uh, trying to come over is only going to lead to deportation immediately. Um, then you won't even try. That's and that's true. Under yeah. under Trump, we were sending everyone back was being deported, and the interior interior arrest of criminal aliens spiked to over hundred thousand. ICE was dominating the interior. We were we were arresting everybody. There was a pride that I had never experienced in my twenty four years. We actually had somebody that had our back and was and was enforcing immigration law. So, and but I'd like to touch on the numbers that you're saying this year and, and why I paused when you said we're at, at the halfway point for, for 1.2 million, which will put us still over last year. I want your audience to understand that there's a complete manipulation of the data. So let me give you an example. So every month we bring in 30,000 individuals from Haiti, Colombia, Venezuela, and please forgive me, I think it's Nicaragua, but I could be wrong. 
those five countries. We bring them in through CBP one app through asylum. It's like a, an app on your phone, literally like a, a open tables restaurant app. You get to put in your information and you get a reservation. Josh Holly, the center, Josh Holly calls it the ticket master of asylum. <laughs> so those individuals, those individuals go to the port of entry and they say, here I am. They scan the QR code or whatever they have in the database and they're out. The Border Patrol, those numbers are go into the port, not the Border Patrol. So you've just extracted tens of thousands of arrests from Border Patrol and put them in another category and hit it away. So those numbers of, let's say we double that six months and we get to 2.4 million, 2.5, you have a, another 400,000 that are not being counted on top of the 2.5. Just and that's just starting with CBP one app. We're not talking about all the other the the other lies and and uh, smoke and mirrors games that my orcas plays. So I believe the number will be over three million. Wow! This year, I think uh, when we spoke, you had um, you had said a couple of things. Uh, one that uh, was interesting to me because there was this argument of like you know uh, a border wall won't work. They'll they'll always find ways. And what did you tell me? You said, does the does the door on your house work? Yeah. You live in, you live in, in LA do you, or in the suburbs of LA. Do you feel comfortable? How, how I always ask this question. Okay. You don't think walls work and borders work. That's basically our front door, right? And for our country, well, let me come to your house and take your front door, your back door, any side doors you have, and I'm going to rip them off the hinges and you're going to sleep at night. How well are you going to sleep before you freak out? and throw plywood or barricade your, your doors up. I live in a very nice neighborhood. I wouldn't take the doors off my hinges and leave a, a wide open. What do you expect no. is going to happen? Uh, in a city like this one where it's complete lawlessness and I, um, I'm, I'm really just struggling um, with a, a number of different things. It's, the fact that our law enforcement isn't given the ability to do their job, they're mm -hmm. stripped away from, you know, uh, doing what needs to be done. I understand there's because I can look at a broader picture. I, I am capable of critical thinking and, and seeing that, OK, I do understand we don't want um, we don't want to overstep the boundaries and begin to. Uh, criminalize everything right and uh and that has its limitations though you know this uh, complete liberal mindset of you know catch and release um the issues with the crime here the the way they you know the way the recent da um has set the laws up so that mm -hmm. Uh, certain crimes up to, you know, whatever the theft is, I think it's a thousand dollars, anything below that, it's just a misdemeanor. So it just perpetuates crime. It's basically says like, nothing's going to happen to you. You can, you can do this. And you know, who suffers the most small businesses and large businesses, because I see Walmart closing for the same reasons they're saying yeah. we're, we're closing our stores down and think about that. That's, potentially up to 500 people, if not more, full-time, part-time, who are going to be jobless, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, and that's just one issue of so many things. I mean, I get it. I, I, I get the fact that we don't 
want to criminalize homelessness. But at the same time, I, uh, I feel like that was just forgotten about they just ignored it i'm like 10 years ago i was looking at it and i said come on now are you going to do something about this i sometimes you need a firm hand you know um to to approach a situation uh i'm an entrepreneur for nearly 15 years i think of solutions and i understand that some of those solutions may come with sacrifice they're going to be painful and in this instance, it's it's rather uh, difficult because it comes with the understanding that uh, we may have to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, infringe on some personal rights of these homeless people, like telling them, we're going to put you in some kind of housing so you can get cleaned up. But they don't want that. They want to continue getting high. Some of them are like, well, I can't bring my pet. What's more important, your pet or getting your life back together? You know, it's uh, so there's a such a disconnect between all of this. And as you see, I've I've thought about these things for so many years and it, it's not any one thing. The issues are growing at a rapid pace. And for some time I say, well, are they stupid? Are they incompetent? If they're stupid and incompetent, they shouldn't be in office. But that can't be the answer either because they are very intelligent. So that means this is intentional. Correct. So what's so what what is the fucking end game here? Well, complete, I, complete lawlessness? Yes, because the way well you, you hit on a very this is something I've been I've been looking at, like you've been looking at homelessness and looking at the insanity of California. I lived there for 24 years. Um, beautiful, most beautiful place I ever I ever visited. And then I came there with a job, and I'll never forget just being in awe. Just that was in San Diego, and I just was like, "My God, this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life." It's even more beautiful than the movies, right? The sunsets, the beaches, the beautiful people. You know, every the streets were clean. They, I remember when they would street sweep Interstate Five, right? You could there was no traffic. It was it was glorious. Then I watched a Republican dominated city of San Diego turned into a, a full Democrat supermajority. And now it's unrecognizable. Homeless campments everywhere. And like you said, you're gonna have to infringe on someone's rights. Well, what about my rights, Mike, as, as a US citizen? And I'm paying for those sidewalks. I'm paying for the police. I'm play, paying for everything. And you're not paying for anything, but yet you've destroyed everything that my tax dollars paid. I can't walk down the street now because I can't go there with my son. I can't go there with my wife. So there, there is a give and take in, the, in, in this life. And, and, and you talk about, well, what's the end game? And I've done a lot of thinking on this. And, and really, before I even said it months ago, I, I, I fact-checked myself multiple ways just to make sure that I was right. And everything keeps pointing to an intentional destruction of the American immigration system, and then a total, total transform, fundamental transformation of America. That's it. And when people say, well, how, do you, how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to do that through the American immigration system. They're going to destroy it. They're going to bring in tens of millions of people into our nation that are non-citizens. So this is not a race or ethnic discussion or even a country discussion. This is a, a, an argument that, I have, that I'm going to make that 
Our, our leaders, our globalist leaders want citizens versus non-citizens. Now, and the point that I, I, can, I can point to many, many things, but let me just make two points. First, Center for Immigration Studies came out with a white paper a month ago. No, everybody ignored it. They, they discovered from 2016 to 2021, 77% of the total Amer new American population growth, 77% came from legal and illegal immigrants and their offspring. So 77% of the total American population were non-citizens, non-citizens. So let's look at another number. Last year in 2022, 1.2 million and a little change of American citizen births. We brought in 1.2 million legal immigrants. So that's a wash, right? Now you bring in 10 to 15 million illegal immigrants in Biden's last, in, in his two years. And this last year, I would guess it's about eight to 9 million. So you can see within a generation, we will not, the citizens will be the minority in our nation. And the question that I always ask, and people go, oh, I don't know about that. Okay, we are now, I can prove numbers showing between 12 and 15 million people have been led into America illegally in Biden's two and a half years. I anticipate that number to grow to 25 million illegal immigrants brought into our nation, not legal, illegal. And then my question always is, when are they going to stop letting people come in? No one in the media asks, Mike. No one asks, what is that number that's going to trigger? Okay, we got to shut the border down because we're at 10 million. You ignored 10 million. And now we go, we're going to careen into 20 million by next year. So is it 50 million? Is it 100 million? Or is it the whole 330 million that you've released that, that is the American citizen? And I always ask people, I say, okay, we're not running out of people. There's millions of people coming up right now. They're making the trek as you and I are speaking, millions. There's 8 billion people in the world. Half of, the, half of that 8 billion is 4 billion live in squalor we can't imagine. Half of that 4 billion live in misery that we could, Hollywood couldn't even depict. So if we say 2 billion, Mike, are we taking all 2, 2 billion in? And of course the answer is no. Then I say, well, then what is the answer to, to a liberal or even to a, a rhino conservative? And they can never give me an answer. They always end up with an answer after we go back and forth of about 20 million, right? Or 50 million. And I go, okay, number one, that's insane, but I'm going to grant it to you. So now if I grant you 50 million people, what are you going to do about the other 1.95 billion? And they just look at me like, what do you mean? Well, they're still coming. They're, they're still coming. So you're going to, what are you going to do? And they, they, it's just silence, Mike. And I always say, let me, let me just stop this and say, you're going to build a wall, right? And they're like, well, yeah. And I said, well, why, was your, why is your wall morally okay with 50 million? And I'm saying, I don't want any of them coming in and, and I'm racist and a xenophobe. And then there's always either, they either silence and walk away or they curse at me because they know. I've just proven your, your surface level argument has no basis. It, you build a house on sand. It's just going to fall down. You have no foundation. So, Mike, the question is, you, you brought it up. What, what's the end game? I believe that's the end game. And I always ask this question. If, I, if, if everything that we've talked about is agreed, you looked at the numbers, you fact-checked me 
prior to coming on this, this show and interviewing me. And you agreed those numbers are true. And nothing's being done. And Title 42 is allowed to come in and all the other stuff. That if you're having an intellectually honest discussion like you and I are having, and you disagree, you agree with all the numbers and everything that's happening, but you disagree with my my theory, my belief, which I believe is routed, rooted in facts and, and, and experience, then tell me another rational explanation for why our country, is our government leaders are allowing tens of millions of people to come into our nation. Uh, my thought has been they want to increase their democratic base because they'll all automatically be documented as Democrats as they uh, as they kind of get registered and everything uh, in a similar situation when my my wife who is a US citizen when she decided to register to be a voter um, they automatically put her down as a Democrat mm-hmm. she's like I didn't agree to this they never even gave me a choice when I registered they automatically did so so now that's kind of been my thought it's a theory um, so there's no facts behind it, but um, still, it, it, all of it is just insanity. And what's more troubling to me is, and, and why I appreciate so much to be able to speak to somebody who's done this for 20 plus years. You are a professional in your field. You've been there. You've seen it all from the human trafficking, the drug trafficking, and and probably so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, why, you know, why wouldn't people listen to credible um, guests like yourself? I mean, it's doesn't it make sense when we when we want a professional opinion about our health, we go to a doctor. You know, when we want professional legal help, we go to a lawyer. When we, you know, think about it. In all of these instances, we go to professionals to get the best advice possible. In this instance, here you are, and I know that you just retired, correct? I did. So I, I think it's important also to just to, to, to make a clarification that when, when somebody comes on from the government, a lot of times people say, oh, well, he's disgruntled and he's angry at the government. No, and I'm the opposite. I love my career. I'm proud of my career. I love the men and women I served with. I believe our mission was very important and I was very successful. Started as a journeyman agent in Tijuana border, worked myself up to upper management, upper leadership in the United States Border Patrol. I retired as a deputy patrol agent in charge. So I have a ground level of fighting and, and, and shootings and all the nasty, disgusting things that happen on the border as a ground level. And I've been up to 30,000 feet where I look at policy, law, manpower, uh, budgetary issues. So I have a very unique perspective. So when I'm speaking, I believe, and thank you for saying that, I believe that I am an expert uh, because of my career, but also because as I've been retired for 18 months, I've been able to step back from the chaos that I was submerged in and look at it from a different perspective and go, God, yeah, that was so screwed up. That is so criminal. But now that I'm outside of the storm and I can look back in, I go, my God, it's worse than I even knew when I was inside of it. But I kept, I have all my sources through DHS, ICE, Border Patrol, uh, journeyman agents on the ground all the way to that are telling me exactly what's happening currently. And I have guys up in D.C. that are feeding me information uh, for real time. 
the, what you are witnessing, Mike, on TV and reading on news media, it is a fraction of the insanity. You can't thank God for Twitter and thank God for uh, investigative journalists that have podcasts, that have ways, different avenues to show it. Because when you look, when you got guys like Michael Yan, who's a, a, a investigative reporter down there in the jungle of Panama, sending videos of the migrant camps. And you look at Matt, Matt Morris, Mexico, is there, and they're, they're, they're rushing across the border in the thousands. And, and Mayorkas is going, it's all under control. Everything's okay. I'm getting a report, like you and I talked about, the numbers, de they decreased. Well, let me give you just one example of how the numbers decreased over the weekend. They have people cross the border in groups of hundreds. It takes the Border Patrol almost five days to the time you jump to come get you and take you to the station because there are thousands of people that are building homeless encampments on U.S. soil that are illegal aliens, and we don't have the resources to go pick them up. So what came down in San Diego sector had 2,000 people in a homeless shelter encampment on, on just about two miles of the border. Two miles in one station, 2,000 people. Washington, D.C., they claim the White House pushed down in San Diego sector, called everyone in off duty, even the high-level people that, like myself, patrol agent in charge and, and deputy patrol agent in charge on Mother's Day, and they systematically moved 2,000 people from the border so they'd be out of drone shot and media and pulled those 2 million people and put them in the port of entry or the soft, the soft center processing area down the way so the media couldn't see it. So now you took 2,000 number, you took, so now we're at 6,000 people that Mayorkas is claiming. I just took 2,000 out of that number, so it should be 8,000. So how many other stations were doing that across America? So you had about 20,000 people easily in the border, sitting there squatting, living in tents, waiting to be arrested. And Mayorkas is telling you, look, we only did 6,000. That's great. Pat ourselves on the back. No, you liar. You got 20,000 in the field because you don't have enough agents to, quote, arrest them. So your number should be 26,000 or 30,000 on Friday. Do you see the – does that make – am I articulating that correctly? Can you see – the connection between the lies. I mean, let's even take Mayorkas at his word, Mike. Let's just say it's he had 11,000 people over the weekend. He's congratulating himself on arresting 11,000 people. He allowed 11,000 people to come into our nation. And he's congratulating himself. Like that's, he, he, like that's a significant accomplishment. We, like I said, not even two and a half years ago, we arrested 150 people in a whole 24-hour period across the United States of America. And he's wow. doing 11,000. He's congratulating himself. He, he makes me sick. He's the tip of the spear, and he's a traitor to our nation. I say that without hesitation or reservation. It's quite scary, man. You know, um, I, can, I can imagine exactly what the comment sections will uh, look like regarding this, um, this uh, specific episode. People may and may not fully uh, comprehend like what we are trying to convey here um it's not that it's not that we hate people from around the globe it's that we love our country and we want our safety and sovereignty intact 
Um, and that is so important. If you don't live in a city like I live in, where things are falling apart, and I mean, crime is so bad, the Citizen app is going off all day long here. Um, we Here in Los Angeles alone, we should have approximately 25,000 officers. We only have about 10. Mm-hmm. A lot of them retired. Some of them are getting letters saying like, hey, we'll increase your pay. Please come back. You know, um, and I think, you know, people got to think about it uh, objectively. It's and oftentimes no one complains until it's affecting you. It's great when you live in a private community and you can afford that. Many of us can't. I don't live in a private community. Just the other week, man, I came across a story and it is fucking scary. So these people are jumping into backyards, knocking on doors in the middle of the night, your back door, waiting for someone to open it and then shooting and killing people. Somebody Mm -hmm. died this way already. So that is um, that is unacceptable. Now. My wife and I were talking about it and I said, I don't know, that could be like gang initiations. I, I'm not entirely certain of that. I don't think it's just uh, completely um, uh, just, uh, what's the word? Uh, murderous random. rampages. Yeah. yeah, it's not It's not random rampages. It's, uh, that could be one explanation um, to, to get initiated and then get, um, uh, get, your right of way into this uh, organization. Um, but it's probably one of thousands of incidents. I mean, last night there was some pops in the, uh, in the sky. And I said, or is that gunshots or is that fireworks? I don't know. But is that sad that you even have to ask that? Of course. You, you've, so, Mike, this is this is something that I always say. This is and this is a hu- the human nature of us, and it, it's we become accustomed to chaos, and we accept it, right? So, you're at the point, maybe ten years ago, you were like, "Who's shooting fireworks?" Right? But now there's so much gunfire, you're like, "Well, I wonder if that's gunfire." And then when you take a step back and you go, "Dear God, I've I've." normalize this this is now acceptable in my life that gunshots are going off and i'm like eh, my, that's either fireworks or good eh, one of the two they're doing the same thing in the border i watched it i watched them bring in thousand two thousand three thousand four thousand ten fifteen thousand and they normalize it there's initial shock and everyone's like oh my god it's five thousand people crossing the border dear god and then it just kind of calms down as, okay, it's 5,000. We got it under control, right? We'll lie or whatever. So now we're at 10, 15,000 a day. And we're like, oh my God, oh my God. And now it's becoming normal again. So they're just normalizing chaos. Having junkies that are having flesh eating diseases now because they're taking veterinary tranquilizers and the 67, 70,000 people that OD'd on fentanyl this year become normal. Just become normal. There's an expectation that 107 to 150,000 people 
are going to die of overdose this year. They're going to die because at least per DEA statistics, 67% of all ODs come from fentanyl that come from China. So now we've come normalized that our adversary, China, is going to import fentanyl to the drug cartels in Mexico. They're going to cut it into, into the heroin and cocaine, or they're going to make fake Oxycontin pills from fentanyl. And then American citizens in the tune of 70 to 100,000 just on fentanyl alone are going to die. And we've accepted it, Mike. We're just like, okay, well, I guess that's just the way things go. Do you see, can anybody see that has a half a brain can see the insanity that now we are, we're in Alice in Wonderland with guns and drugs and insanity. We have normalized American life that it's okay, that everything that's happening is okay. You know, sometimes I, I think I watched this show with my son and we laugh out loud because it's a great movie, but we're becoming free guy. Have you ever seen the movie Free Guy where everyone's just running around killing and destroying everybody? It's a comedy, but it's a, a video game. Just watch it. That's what it kind of feels like when you and I are having this discussion. I'm watching. I'm looking on my iPhone. I'm looking at videos of, of people bonsaiing the, the border. I'm seeing drug addicts in L.A. With, with, they look like the walking dead. Crime is skyrocketing across our major cities. But we've all accepted it. Haven't we? I mean, is that a, is that an honest statement that we have accepted that this is the way our lives are? Yeah, I think um, it's. Uh, I think you said it best when we first spoke. Is that, and it is something that I've thought about for many years. Is um, we're all we're all struggling to survive and feed our families and pay our bills, and that is the like the number one priority. So. Uh, to be a patriot beyond that becomes so difficult, so emotionally draining um, to be engaged. And it's um, it's sad to say that because um, we should all be involved. You know, our communities, our neighborhoods, our cities, you know, um, we, we all are integrated into this. And if we allow it to continue to like with this degradation that we're seeing, we all suffer. You know who doesn't suffer? The wealthy. Because the money, yeah, money gives you options, mm -hmm. especially when you have so much of it. And obviously those with assets, because money in itself is not that important. I deal with numbers. I, I understand them. Assets are what drive continuous revenue. So if your revenues are high and you have many assets, you have plenty of options and you mm -hmm. can go anywhere. Um, and you, and even if the currency changed tomorrow, won't matter, you know, won't matter to Coca-Cola if the currency changed, they'll just start accepting the new currency and people yeah. will still consume nearly 2 billion bottles or whatever the amount is today, every single day. Mm -hmm. um, but those people have options. I mean, I've seen the news in articles relating to people within that demographic and influence. They are leaving in mass. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of the crime, because of the uh, obscene drug use, the, the homelessness. And it's, it's understandable. I can't be mad at them. We all, we all would like to be in a position to say, yeah, I don't like this shit anymore. I'm just going to leave. Yep. I you did. Can't. Well, I did. I sold my house. And I took my family and I got out because I saw it.
I, I saw it. I saw it for years. I saw the once beautiful California that was that was the American dream, man. You went to California to make you make your living. I came to California from Louisiana, from the deep south, to get my job in the Border Patrol. And even though I came as a Border Patrol agent, I there was a feeling in the air that I, the opportunity was you can do anything you want. JJ, if you want to do Border Patrol and you maybe want to do that for a year or two and do something, you can do whatever the hell you want. This is California. This is America. That disappeared in less than a generation. It disappeared in less 20 years. I mean, I'm looking at my sister still lives there. She's paying rent on a house that's like 6000 a month for a house like for California because you can't – the median price is like $800 to $1 million. I mean, who, who, who's going to – you either have – but that's middle class, quote, the middle class. So you're just struggling, as we talked about. You're just struggling to make ends meet. You don't have time to scour Breitbart News or, or look at Fox News or CNN and try to piece this, this insanity together. You're just trying to survive. And by the end of the day, my God, you just want to go to bed because you got to start all over again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the world that we're living in now. And, and um, you know, and I appreciate you giving me a, a platform to speak on this because I believe, I strongly believe Without again, without reservation or hesitation, we're seeing the destruction of America through the destruction of the immigration system. They are going to import tens of millions of people, maybe hundreds of millions of illegal immigrants into our nation. And it is going to be an us versus them, meaning it's going to be U.S. citizens versus non-citizens. And the non and I'll get look, I don't even have to my my strong, strong feeling based in facts and experience. I don't have to, this is not an assumption, like uh, maybe this will happen, Mike, and, and maybe that will happen. No, I can look at real time. Let's just take a very small amount of people. Less than a probably 40,000 people have gone to Chicago. Illegal aliens have gone to Chicago. The African-American community in Chicago is losing their minds right now. I've watched tons of videos and listened to, to uh, newscasts about it. They're losing their mind because... This small amount of people are coming into their communities and the local politicians are diverting all of their funds that were going for at-risk youth, basketball leagues, uh, Section 8 housing, and they're giving it to illegal aliens. And they're, so we're already witnessing the, 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 the redirecting funds and resources to people that are not U.S. citizens. Take another one. Take New York City. New York City just kicked out homeless veterans to house illegal aliens in the hotels. That's I mean, not right. Well, that's happened. It's happening right now. So we're looking at in real time. That's when I tell people, look, I know that you're, you, you're going to question me, and, and I want everyone to question me, but I'm telling you that we're living in real time. We're watching, witnessing in real time what is happening to our country. And I am fearful. And I am not an alarmist. I feel like I'm an intelligent man that critically thinks. And I'm telling you in the depth of my soul that I feel it. I see it. I'm witnessing it happen. Yeah. And, and it's, you, yeah, it's tough yeah. and it's frightening. Yeah, that's the word. It's frightening because the, um, the, the future almost seems certain based on the, the direction things are going. And uh, there were some things that you touched up on. Um, you know, through a lot of this migration, you know, the, um, the importportation of the fentanyl and everything else becomes easier. Um, 
Can you can you speak a little bit about that? I'm curious what that means. How how does that become easier? Is it just distractions? It is because you get, first off, you have to understand the drug cartels control everything in Mexico, and they absolutely control every inch of that border, every inch. So anyone that crosses that border has to make arrangements through the cartels. For example, San Diego sector, all the way in the far far western corner of Imperial Beach, the cartels are moving hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, military-age men from the continent of Africa. And they're doing it on purpose because if I put 1,000, 2,000 Africans sitting and squatting between the fences in, in California, think of the resources that are needed to come and physically search put them in buses and vans and transport them 10 miles to the station and then and then process them, then drive them to places to release them. It takes three to five days to do that per person as they come across the border. So all of the resources are there. This is happening in Yuma. Yuma sector has 126 linear miles of the border. There are times where there's not one border patrol agent patrolling 126 miles of open desert. It's too that much. is that's too much. So, and this is happening in Texas, happening in California. So, what happens when all of our resources are processing? Yuma collapsed almost all of their their law enforcement strategy. San Diego is about to collapse all their law enforcement operations to just process. So, there is open borders to just drive trucks, vans, and eighteen wheelers right through the border, right wow. through it. No one's even there. So, when you look at so. You can draw a direct line correlation between open borders and fentanyl and hard narco overdose deaths. There's a direct correlation. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you data. Trump's last year, 50,000 people died of hard narcotic overdoses. 50,000. I remember listening to Donald Trump, who I'm, I'm a big fan of his because he's the greatest border, per, border president in the history of the United States. He was ashamed and embarrassed and frightened. 50,000, dear God, that's Vietnam every year. We can't do that. We got to shut it down. And, and he tried. He was, he was on the precipice of shutting it down. Fast forward to Obama, I mean, Biden, his first year, it doubled to over 107,000. 107,000 people died. There is data that's, that's showing that we're going to be close to 150,000 people dying of overdose deaths in Biden's third year. And it's a direct correlation to having no one on the border. Let me give you another example, Mike. My last duty station when I was deputy patrol agent in charge was on Interstate 15, the Marietta Border Patrol Station. And that is a major corridor. Interstate 5 comes up the coastline. Interstate 15 cut, cuts through the middle of California. And those two arteries are huge human and narcotic smuggling, right? People cross the border, narcotics cross the border. They don't just sit there on the border. They have to go to stash houses, be cut up, move bodies here, move uh, narcotics there, and it's systematic. So they use these, these giant freeways in California to move up north and then split over and go east to, to the, to the uh, Chicago, New York, et cetera. There are days that we don't have anybody patrolling the, those highways. No one. All of those guys are processing and, and transporting aliens. There's That's no one out there. There's no one. There's <laughs> nobody 
you you just hit on it. You're you're down fifty percent law enforcement officers in San Diego. I mean, in, in L.A. I'm telling you that the twenty thousand or twenty one thousand border patrol agents that we're looking at less than probably ten percent are doing any law enforcement. The other nineteen thousand of us are just processing aliens. There's nobody protecting our nation. It is wide open. Wow. That is terrible on so many levels. Forgive me. And again, Mike, I want want you and I want your audience to fact check me. Everything I'm saying is 100% factually data proofed. So please go in and go to the databases, read articles, listen to the agents, the Border Patrol agents, what they say. This is happening real time. And I encourage everyone to fact check me. Uh, As they should. I mean, um, you people have to educate yourselves and get informed. Can't believe anything or anyone. Um, And even the data, as you said, is skewed. It's um, that's oftentimes, especially like, you, you know, there was probably a time in history where you can say, yeah, government consensus data.gov websites were providing accurate information, but um, I don't know if that's even the case. But just alone from what I found here, if these are supposed to be their estimated uh, numbers, right? 2021, 1.7 million. Could it have been even more? <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um uh, you mentioned you were writing a book, right? That's going to be released soon. Um, yes, I, I wrote a book called Invaded. It will be uh, published and released on June 27th by Post Hill Press, uh, a large independent publishing house. I'm very proud of this being the first time author to be able to, to get contracted with a publishing uh, house. is very difficult. Um, yeah, rare. sure. So um, I am excited about that. And um, I'm excited. It's about... Uh, exactly what we're talking about right now. And, and intertwined in that is uh, stories from my career that uh, I use as reference points to what is transpiring now. And it kind of gives you a historical view through stories of my, my career to how we got here. We didn't get here overnight. This, is, this has been a slow roll from 1965. From the last, that was the Immigration Act, 1965, the late great Ted Kennedy stood there on the on the on the on the floor of the the, the Senate and said, "This bill will not paraphrasing will not we will not have people uh, protesting in the streets uh, for for welfare and benefits. We will not shut the European pipeline down and take just third world people in from all over the world." Yeah, well, actually, those things did happen. Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy was a sponsor, a co-sponsor of every immigration bill that destroyed America to his death. So whenever someone says, well, one man can't do any, can't really do much in this country, I disagree. They can do great evil or they can do great good. Even one man can. Um, So my book, I'm excited about coming out and I'm excited about, I hope you'll have me back on to be able to discuss uh, the contents in it and when it comes out and, uh, and it's it's um, I'm excited about it. Well, I, I wish you great success with that. Um, when it does come out, just let me know. I'll bring you back on. We'll talk about the contents and um, we'll put a link in the description for people to find it, 
to download it, to buy it, and uh, to educate themselves. Beyond that, you know, it reminds me of something, and uh, it was baffling. So when I look back at the 70s, um, during the first uh, issues with Iran and the, the king of Iran, there was... Who was it? Um, wasn't Biden the the advisor, the foreign relations advisor to some president at the time? Didn't he design the the approach that toppled Iran? Is that accurate? I, I, I don't know, but he has even the people that have worked for him, the head of CIA, head of other agencies said that he has been in the government almost 50 years and he has been wrong consistently over those 50 years on foreign policy. So that wouldn't shock me. You know, I, I mean, the guy's been there 50 years. I mean, come on. I think it's time. And there could be an argument, right? There's a whole other discussion of his uh, mental abilities and his ability to understand actually what's going on. And, and um, But at the same time, you are the president, and I lay uh, this immigration debacle at your feet. You sat there. When people are coming up the border in caravans of hundreds of thousands of people and they're wearing Biden T-shirts, you haven't seen that? No, the very I beginning check of it his, out. Yeah, you have to look. So at the beginning of his, when he started saying, our borders are, are welcome, we're open, come on up, there was caravans of people all wearing white T-shirts with Biden's logo and saying, thank you, Biden. I mean, so when you see that, that's when I knew when I was at the end of my career and I was... Uh, beginning to see the the destruction of the immigration system through Biden, I saw that. I was like, okay, this is at a whole nother level that even I cannot fully comprehend yet. Yeah, that's unbelievable. What about us, man? I you know I want I want Americans to be taken care of too. Like we're all struggling so damn much. Um, any given city, small town doesn't matter. Um, we need help too. I understand the rest of the world needs help and and we should all be grateful for what we have. I'm, I'm glad I can use the toilet and flush. Whereas in some of these countries that people are coming from, they don't have that luxury. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for clean water. I mean, even though it's highly chemically treated, uh, but that's, uh, that's something else. And I have my suspicions around that. Um, I'm grateful for the, for so many of the things, the, the excessive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the excessive access that we have to everything uh, consumable. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that's, um, that's not everything. And there's so much more that um, here, here at home that we need, uh, but it doesn't seem like they care. There's a couple of other things I wanted to touch up on and get your opinion, and and then I'll let you go. I'm sure you're very busy. Um, my COVID symptoms are really hitting hard. I feel a little dizzy. Um, so I'm going to try to speed through this. Um, okay. we, we talked about that open letter, and I didn't get a chance to research it. The open letter that the Mexican president wrote um, – can we talk about that, please? That was yeah. really eye-opening for me. Okay, I'm going to pull it up. I have on my phone right now. Just give me one second. Okay. Sure. So this was this – was, <laughs> things are happening so fast, Mike, that it's shocking, right? So this is 
May 6th. May 6th seems like 100 years ago. That was two weeks ago. So Mexican president, I'm just going to read off of this, uh, but I'm going to read it off of off my phone. So the president of Mexico, uh, Lopez Obrador, said that Mexican Navy intercepted a cargo ship that had 75, 000, 75 pounds, just 75 pounds of fentanyl hidden in a uh, gas resin uh, receptacle. And it was, they, they caught it in the Pacific port of uh, Lazario Cardenas. And Obrador is saying, the president of Mexico is quoting, we already have the evidence that this is coming from China. Right? It, was a, it was a Chinese cargo ship. And they come out and China pushes back. The foreign minister says that is not true. We do not supply fentanyl. And Mexico president comes back and he says, quote, in a very respectful manner, we are going to send this information to reiterate the request that they help us help them to stop it, right? So they come back and, and the Chinese foreign minister, Mao Ning, said there is no such thing as illegal trafficking of fentanyl between China and Mexico. China has, been, has not been notified by Mexico on the seizure of scheduled fentanyl precursors from China. And then Min com comes out, the foreign minister of China, and says, this is a made-up problem, and if there's a problem, it is made in the U.S. And Mexico is saying no, because, look, Mexico is getting pressure from the U.S. You can't bring these drugs in, blah, 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 like we always have, war on drugs, so he's pushing back and throwing, okay, whoa, I can send millions of people into your country, but I can't be killing millions of people through fentanyl. So I got to blame China because China's bringing it in. They're getting there. That's, that's on May 6th. You can go on the gateway pundit and there was a multiple of other places that, it, that, that article came up. Um, but that's where I just, I found it. And so this is, is proven. The, you, you, when you have a president of, of another country saying, I have proof, I'm pushing it up to Xi Jinping and say, hey, please, you got to stop this, right? Um, so it's happening. I There's mean, no the, it, it sounds like the Mexican president down there um, may, you know, may have at least some feelings of like, hey, I don't want to be held responsible for these deaths. Mm hmm. You know, well, that's it. and, but it's all coming. It's every it, it's a known fact. It's like it, nobody disputes anymore. China is going to dispute it because they control everything. And they could say, no, that doesn't happen. Whatever. You, the Wuhan lab it came from a wet market, blah, blah, blah. Right. You're suffering right now from the, the impacts of, of the China virus. The, it, well, this thing, this variant, whatever I caught, the symptoms are very, very different from the other two times I've had it. Really? But like extreme body aches, the pain is unbearable. It's unbearable. I, f I feel for you because I was in a hospital for a week and I thought I really, the first time in my life, I thought I was going to die. And it was <laughs> frightening. It was frightening. Frightening. Yeah. And so uh, I was telling my wife last night, I don't think the world's ever going to get rid of this anytime soon. This may stick around and continue to evolve for another century for all we know. Um, but that's uh, it's interesting enough that there's data that's coming out on that 
uh, suggesting that February 1st, there was emails being sent back and forth, Dr. Fauci and this and that, other virologists, people who are paid by the federal government that uh, look into these things. They're like, no, you know, this, this doesn't have any evidence suggesting it's naturally occurring. Very difficult for it to be natural, very easy if it was lab made. And then everyone changed their story. Uh-huh. Um, yep. and, and so, you know, yes, I understand there's a political agenda behind all of it. And we're already three years past that point. So it's the there's no point anymore in, in no. arguing it. It's like we just have to live with it. And even then, um, uh, I you know, every every six months or so. So some 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 of us, maybe all of us, many people will uh, may or may not get infected with it again. I mean, feel bad for my little girl. She got it again. This is the second time in in a month, month and a half. Jeez. You know, she's five but, years but, old. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Right. But yeah. we do nothing. We, we but again, this is another example of normalization of and, and accepting, accepting something from another nation. And we just shrug our shoulders and just say, okay. And then they're, and they're pouring fentanyl in. Mexico is bringing it up, making gazillion dollars. It's probably a trillion-dollar business now, not a billion-dollar, a trillion-dollar business. And, and we're doing nothing. We're facilitating. And, again, Mike, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's hundreds of miles of the border right now as you and I speak that are completely unmanned. There are interstates that used to be patrolled constantly, making arrests daily of narcotic loads. There's not a single border patrol agent working those areas. They're too busy and, with with yep. migrants. And that's why you're seeing the the explosion of overdose deaths from hard narcotics and fentanyl. That's why I'm so right. passionate about the the you know the work that I do. I I sincerely want people to find alternatives that are safe. And um it baffles me that uh the FDA, the DEA still targets some of these things. You may have heard of it like a supplement like kratom um, grows in the southeast. It's a it's a uh, leaf off of a tree. It has very similar effects, but um, I discovered about a decade ago, and the narrative around it is that it um, it simulates uh, opioid like effects because it interacts with um, very similar uh, the, the same opioids in the uh, sorry the same receptors in the brain and. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, far safer does not kill, um, and you can use it on your own terms. I use it for pain myself. Uh, but you know, I I've been through addiction. I can say this uh, that when you can finally get out of addiction, you can be responsible. You mature enough to say, when I use something, I'm using it with a very specific intentionality. Yeah. You know, and um, and substance abuse in this country has been out of control for decades. And why I'm passionate about it is because I feel like there's a lack of education, education on biology, how the brain and the body work. And mm-hmm. um, if, you know, if young people were taught this early on as to how these mechanisms work, perhaps they won't always seek stimulation from video games or they won't seek stimulation from substances or you know i had a mentor and he and he taught me this the best is 
pursuing your goals, the harder they are, the better it feels when you achieve them. And those have lasting impacts of positive outcomes, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and th that's part of the education I like to provide people, including a lot of the pain management people I deal with and so on. Um, so it, sad it saddens me that people are dying because they want to, I mean, they found fentanyl in, in cannabis, Connecticut, yep. Florida, Texas. I'm like, basically, I'm afraid to do anything at this point. I feel like I should be wearing gloves when I deal with customers. I don't know if the currency I'm handling has been, has been tainted with anything, mm -hmm. including fentanyl. Yep. Um, the taking my kids to the playground. I mean, it's getting, you know, it's getting very, very tricky, you know, uh, because it's unknown. We don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. yep. So, um, and it can be, it can be that fast. Do you recall what happened to that state trooper in Florida? Which one? Um, I, I, so I, many of them getting killed. Oh gosh. I saw one clip where just a, just a very brief exposure, not a lot. And she just fell back. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness there was Narcam and they, they yeah. saved her life, but it can happen that fast. Yep. And so, you know, what, what kind of protections can we do? Um, especially since it doesn't seem to be any limits as to where they want to put it. All of a sudden there, you know, now it's in cannabis products. Uh, next, it can be in anything, you know, it virtually, virtually anything. Yep. And it, and it is, it's, it's becoming everything. And I'll give you a scary, just a scary uh, data point. So when you talk about fentanyl, they, they call it, instead of like in, in cocaine and heroin, it's pounds and then tons. In fentanyl, it's doses. They just, it's just one small pill and it kills you. The DEA, I think it was 2022, seized over like 400, 500 million doses of fentanyl. And anybody that's in the business will say, well, that's just a fraction of what we caught. So if that's a fraction of what we caught, there are trillions of doses of fentanyl coming in our nation. Trillions. Where are they going? There, it's excuse me, there's billions, there's billions of doses of fentanyl. Where they're going, it, it's not going to inner cities because they can't consume that much. It's going across America. It's, it, and I always tell people this, I say, you're very close to small, just because you think you live in rural America and you're away from all the insanity, it will find itself in your community. Some kids are gonna go to a party and they're gonna think they're taking Oxycontin and they're gonna take a pill. And six, seven, ten kids are going to be dead in your little tiny rural town in South Alabama or in Connecticut. And you're going to be like, whoa, how did this happen? My kid's not a junkie. No, your kid's not a junkie. He just experimented. You can't experiment anymore. Like no. you said, you want to smoke some weed? Oh, my God, there's fentanyl in it. I mean, when I heard that, I just heard that yesterday, actually, Mike, about all the uh, the cannabis and, and, and all the – the marijuana being laced. I'm like, holy cow, they're doing that in marijuana. Holy smokes. Yeah. So that now, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. That news broke about a year ago or so, give or take. And I doubt it stopped. It's no, probably still continuing. Yeah. I heard it yesterday. There was a, somebody made a bust or something and they were to find traces of it inside of the, the marijuana. And it's just, 
I just remember I read that yesterday. I was like, dear God, because I heard about it for, for over a year, but just to see it manifest, you, you knew it was coming, but um, yeah, it's, it's a dangerous, if the DEA is catching a half a billion or season a half a billion pills, can you imagine what's getting by? Can you imagine right now, 18 right now. euros stacked, stacked in crates of billions of pills coming Fuck, through? Fuck, dude. Why do they want to kill us? <laughs> well, that, now, now we're all, because you're going to flood these, these millions of people in our country, and then you're going to sedate us all. You know, I mean, you look at our inner cities, the inner cities are, are drug fueled, absolute chaos with no police in sight. Terrible. You have to be absolutely insane. I'll be honest. You have to be absolutely insane to become a law enforcement officer right now. Absolutely. Yeah. insane. I think back if I was 25, 26 again, would I be trying to become a law enforcement officer? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. It's just a bad time and there's no support. That's what, that's one of the things that uh, I appreciate. Like I appreciate law enforcement of all types. I don't like the overreaching and I have seen that, but it's not all of them. We have no. seen that I have dealt with great um, officers in the past, whether I've been pulled over or whatever, very respectful. I mean, you give respect, you get respect. Yeah. And especially if you know your rights, if you haven't done anything, you can exercise you can exercise your rights. And I understand that law enforcement is oftentimes fishing, looking for probable cause and right. whatever. You know, it's like just know your rights, be respectful. You know, they don't see anything. They have no and they, they can't do anything. They're, they're gonna write you a ticket, they're gonna let you go. I mean, um, but you give respect, you get respect. That's it. And I always have to reflect as to like, look at how tough this job is. It wasn't like this, let's say 40 years ago, where an officer, think about, you understand, think about just the level of danger these men and women are facing every day. They put on the uniform, they get into that squad car, and every time they pull someone over, the thought is, does this motherfucker have a weapon yeah. and is he going to use it? Um, that is a level of PTSD that um, none of us ever mm. experience. I mean, this is a level of PTSD that would be found in a war zone. Yep. Our cities should not be a war zone. They are. And a final thought here is I'm hearing a lot of stuff about gun control, you know, Second Amendment, all these things. I feel like criminals can always get weapons. They don't care about the law. That's Stop why they're criminals. <laughs> Stop <laughs> trying to take away our rights. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. And I love when they go, well, just turn your guns and all, everything's going to be okay. And you're like, okay, the criminals are not going to turn their guns in. And then, and then you're telling me that I have to turn my weapon in. And the only people, the only people that have weapons are the police who you've told me are the demons and devils and the criminals. <laughs> do, do you see how insane your argument is? And and you like and, and just to make that point about law enforcement officers. So when a law enforcement officer makes a contact with you, you have no idea that that man or woman has already had 15, 20, 30 encounters with the dregs of humanity prior to having a simple stop and talk with you. So they're they are beyond like PTSD, they're beyond the 
I'm going to just greet you. They're already, their level is so high of survival. So when they're talking to you, they just, they just got in a fight for their life 30 minutes ago and they had to stop you now. And you think that drained out of them yet? No, they're hyped up and you come out of your car yelling at them after they've already been through this all shift long. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? If there's nobody, and I, I love these comedians, and they say it, if you just don't say anything and you just sit down and you yes, sir, no, sir, and you do what you said, nobody's ever been shot and killed. Nobody. Just And then if you don't like how it's treated, get his name, his ID number, and then file a complaint. There's a system for that. But the system is not to yell and scream and hit the police officer. What do you think he's going to do? Yeah, and that's, I mean, I mean, I come out, I come out of the border of just dealing with in, where I work, just the, the rapists and murders and the drug dealers and the Sinaloa cartels and and on and on and on. So I'm I'm one of those law enforcement guys that I just don't want to hear it. it all I want to hear from you is thank you. How about a simple thank you? You could never do what I did at two o'clock in the morning in the middle of the woods all by myself arresting 10, 15, 20 people by myself. You could never get in a fight with MS-13 and come out alive. I did. So that guy's in jail, so he's not raping and pillaging your family. So instead of critiquing us, I'm all for criticism and, and second and, and getting better. But instead of critiquing us and, and yelling at us, how about you just say thank you? That's all we want. We don't want free stuff. We don't want anything. Just tell us thank you and go on your way. Because you don't want to know what I had to do to keep you safe. And I always tell this, and I told this to all the guys that work for me, we are never going to apologize for doing what we have to do in the middle of the night to keep America safe because they don't have the stomach to do what we do. We get paid to do it, but you're never going to apologize for doing what you have to do to keep the savages at bay. There's only 600,000 law enforcement officers in America. 600,000. Oh, really? Yeah, that's it. That's so it. How do you think 600,000 are going to keep 300 plus million people in check? It's the fear of going to jail. It's the fear of repercussions. Now you've Gascon and all these other Chicago DAs and St. Louis DA, they've removed that fear. So now there is no fear. So I'm going to carjack somebody and then you're going to release me with no bail, no, bond, yeah. no cash bail. So I just get released. Okay, yeah. I'll try that. Because Criminals are like us. You and I are thinking they're like us in the way that they have a moral track. It's just a different moral track. You and I think of, okay, how my business going to grow? How Do I have enough for retirement? Do I have enough to take care of my children and my wife is happy, has a nice car, safe house? They're thinking, okay, today, if I carjack this somebody in this, in this community, the probability of me getting arrested is minimal. If I get arrested, the probability of me staying in jail is zero. All right, I'll, I'll do that. I'll roll I'll that dice. That. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I mean, dude, I, I came across this article of somebody just, uh, I don't know, stealing like 20 grand of uh, flooring out of Home Depot and then putting it on uh, on Facebook Marketplace. Um, I, th <laughs> I think there's going to be some criminal charges there. I believe so. But uh, they're getting fucking bold. It's, uh, I mean. Yeah, why shouldn't they? Uh, yeah, when there's very little risk, it's like, I'll try it. If I don't get caught, I just made 10 grand and I did all I had to do is just walk in, take it and walk out. That's, you know, and, yeah. uh, and that just, um, 
and I'm surprised corporations aren't putting more pressure. Like, hey, hey, do something about this. And uh, because we'll sh- we'll just shut down our stores and just sell online. And that means tens and tens of thousands of people are going to yeah. be unemployed. And maybe that's exactly what democratic run cities want. You know, just keep suckling on the uh, the welfare teat, mm-hmm. um, especially here in, uh, in California or Los Angeles. Things are so expensive. Many people do need that aid. It's very difficult to to live without it. Yeah. If you're not if you're not doing if you're not doing minimum a hundred grand after taxes, not before, you yeah. know, and and living below your means, not at yeah. your means below your means, then it is so damn hard. So people, you know, they they increase this minimum wage to 15 an hour. And all of a sudden, you know, McDonald's food uh, ballooned at at prices. It's like McDonald's food was supposed to always be cheap. Right. Um, uh, So this gets into inflation, monetary policy, and so many things that are completely fucked up. Um, And, yeah, uh, there's, you know, what can what can be said? What can be done? I mean, we're only two people and we're doing the best that we can. So I want to thank you, all your service, all of your thank time you. today. You contact me when you're ready for uh, uh, to uh, to discuss about the book after it's been released. And I want you to have a wonderful day, JJ. All right. You get better. Thank you for your time today.